Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. Most of the messages that I've had the privilege of bringing to you have, have uh, since, since the middle of July when we started this, when it was hot, remember? <laughs> Most of those messages have been directed to you as a church about being the kind of church that reflects the kingdom of God in the community. And, and I've come to understand that I'm actually kind of preaching to the choir because you folk are already there in so many ways. There has not been a week that I've been here that I haven't discovered some new way in which some of you folk are reaching out in significant ways into the life of your community. Um, yeah, I've said it before. This is a great church. And you folk have a tremendous opportunity to minister in this community. We've talked over the last 12 weeks about being a receptive church, a welcoming church, a courageous and trusting church, a hopeful church, a humble and hospitable church. This morning, I'd like to talk to you as a person, not as a, not as a church. I'd, I'd like to talk to you about um, the journey of faith in what might be a difficult time for you. I, I know we kind of have a national difficult time going on, but even in the midst of that, some of us are, are doing okay, and some of us are struggling. But the thing is, when it's a national really good time, you remember some of those, you know, back in September last year? <laughs> Even when it's a really good time, some of our journeys of faith take us through difficult places. Sometimes we find ourselves wandering in the wilderness. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And, and where I want to begin is to remind us all that if you are or have been or someday soon will be wandering in your own wilderness, you're not the first one ever to go there. Let me share a, a passage from the Gospel of Matthew, which I can read after I put these things on. I remember when I didn't need these. <laughs> you know when you entered middle age, this is not in my notes, it, it, and I'm, I'm way past, by the way, I'm, not, I'm way past, but I realized I had entered middle age one day at Costco when I, when I distinctly remember as a 10-year-old telling my mom to stop buying me pants with elastic in the waistband. And I remembered that as I was digging through a pile of pants at Costco looking for a pair with elastic <laughs> in the waistband. Anyway, um, that's more information than you needed. Uh, from Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented this, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Well, we could spend an hour there. We won't. Then he consented, and when Jesus had been baptized, 
Just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Thanks a lot, Spirit. <laughs> to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him uh, to, a holy, to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you don't dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again it is written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The wilderness seems to be a place we all wind up sooner or later. And the first thing I want to say is, somebody went there before you. You're not the first one or the only one ever to go there. Each of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell the story a little bit differently. In, in one, it, it looks like it's only Jesus who sees the dove and, and hears the voice. In another, it seems like everybody there saw the dove and heard the voice. In, in one, uh, the temptations are, are uh, bread and then dominion over the whole world and then the temple. In another, it's bread, and then the temple, and then dominion over the whole world. The details in the stories are a bit different. John tells the story in a completely different way. But the one thing all the stories agree on is the voice. The one thing all the stories agree on is what Jesus heard the Father say. This is my beloved son. We often start this passage, this temptation passage in the wilderness, we often start just with the temptation and with the wilderness and with Jesus being led out into the desert and, 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 and being tempted. It's interesting that one of the, one of the Gospels uh, says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Uh, another gospel uses a different word and says Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Spirit. I, I'd, I'd rather be led than driven any time, but, but we get this picture. And, and, and I really had never even noticed this until looking through these different gospel stories this time for, for this message. And, and as I thought about what does it mean to be led and what does it mean to be driven, and, and I thought, you know, 
sometimes we are both. Sometimes it seems like we're really following the Lord and doing what we think we're supposed to be doing and we're going where we think we're supposed to be going. And, 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 and in our following, we're, we're led into this place where we seem alone and there doesn't seem to be much around us to support. Other times it, it seems like we get shoved and pushed and kicked into the wilderness and we don't know how we got there and we don't know why we're there and we don't, we don't like it there. And I wonder what wilderness is, what it is for you and what it is for me. Or entire. I love this quote from Barbara Brown Taylor. Wildernesses come in so many shapes and sizes that the only way you can really tell you are in one is to look around for what you normally count on to save your life and come up empty. No food, no earthly power, no special protection. Just a Bible-quoting devil and a whole bunch of sand. And that's when we know we're in the wilderness. And we talk about how God takes us into hard places for our own good and about how if we keep faith and don't yield to temptation, we'll come out stronger on the other side. But sometimes we don't survive our walk in the wilderness. Sometimes we don't come out on the other side, and, and if we do come out on the other side, sometimes we're not blessed, we're just tired and hungry, spiritually and physically worn out. And what I want to say to each of us, because I've been saying it to myself all week long, what I want to say to each of us this morning is that we shouldn't really start with and Jesus was led out into the wilderness to be tempted, which is sometimes where we start this message. Where, where we really need to start this message is the one thing that all three of the Gospels agree on. We need to start this message with these words. A voice came from heaven. You are my Son, you are my beloved. I am well pleased with you. Have you heard those words lately? Jesus walks into the wilderness with the echo of these words in his ears and on his heart. And we know from the gospel accounts, not just in this passage, but all the way through the life of Jesus, we know that this echo continued through his whole journey. I, I, was, I was once asked, um, why was Jesus Christ-like? What, what, what was it about Jesus that made him tempted in every way that we've been tempted, as the writer to the Hebrews said, and yet without sin? What, what was it that what, what was the essence? What made Jesus, Jesus? Because, because we've all heard, all of our church lives, we've all heard that we should strive for Christ-likeness. We should strive to be like Jesus. And, and so the question was asked to me, what, what made Jesus like Jesus? And, and, and the obvious answer is, well, he was Jesus. 
but that's wrong. Because if Jesus was like Jesus because he was Jesus, <laughs> are you with me? <laughs> if Jesus was like Jesus because Jesus was Jesus, then you and I don't have a chance to be like Jesus. I had a golden retriever once. I now have the second best dog in the world. The golden retriever was number one, always will be. I read a book once about golden retrievers. The description of a golden retriever, anybody have one, had one? Anybody out? Good. Yeah, a few of you. The description, I love this, that I actually read in a golden retriever book, owner's manual for golden retrievers. Talk about a waste of time writing a book. Anyway, uh, describe golden retrievers this way. For the golden retriever, life is a party and everyone is invited. If you've had one, you know that's just true. What makes a golden retriever like that? Well, it's a golden retriever. It's like that because it's a golden retriever. I can do anything I want to do to try to act like that. I am still an old man barking and pretending they're a dog. If Jesus was Jesus just because Jesus was Jesus, I have no more chance of being like Jesus than I have being like my golden retriever. What did Jesus have? Oh, again, you ask all the right questions because I got the answer right here. Jesus had a voice ringing in his heart. And that voice continued to say to him, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus knew and trusted the love of the Father. And I have become convinced that there is nothing more central to our journey toward Christ-likeness than to live in the echo of those words for us, for you and me, individually. Well, listen to some of these words. Somebody asked Jesus how to pray, and Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Another time, Jesus said, you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? Another time, he said, uh, not one sparrow falls to the ground without the Father's care and you are so much more valuable than a sparrow your father in heaven Jesus said is not willing that any of these little ones that means you two should perish all through his life Jesus listened to the echo of the father's voice you are my beloved son in the garden he prayed and, and I, I, maybe we could talk about this sometime because I don't think we really get this. In the, in, in the garden, he prayed, Father, if there is any other way, if we could do this any other way but this cross thing, but I know you love me, and so not my will but yours. And on the cross, 
Have, have you heard those powerful words from the cross? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, the only way that happens is this echo that came from the baptism. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You know, the, the nature of walking in the wilderness is, is that we walk there alone. If, if you're not alone, you're not in the wilderness. You're camping with friends. And that's a wonderful thing. Pastor Bill uh, took me on a, let, led me into the wilderness. I, I didn't feel driven. Uh, uh, up, up to the Hobo Cypress Grove. Beautiful place. It was never wilderness because I was never alone. <laughs> and we enjoyed it together. Wilderness is a place you go by yourself. But we survive the wilderness because we hear the constant echo of God's voice. You are my child. I love you. It'll be hard for you to believe, but when I was in ninth grade, I was not much of a ladies' man. I was not like the trophy guy in ninth grade. I know it's very difficult to believe that, but trust me, it's true. Um, in, in the Nazarene church where I was raised, uh, every month we had a uh, zone, you call them cluster now, that it just meant the churches that are close together. Uh, every month we had a zone roller skating party. And all the churches got together at Moonlight Roller Rink on Foothill Boulevard in Pasadena, California. And, and that meant like six or eight churches around the Pasadena area would come together. Uh, it, on those evenings, from the Duarte Church of the Nazarene, just a little bit farther away, um, I, I, I noticed, because I was a sharp young ninth grader, that there was this incredibly attractive young lady that would show up for the roller skating party. She was my first love. I was smitten. She was, guys will understand this, girls sometimes don't. She was so good looking, she was too good looking to talk to. Guys are going, yeah, I, I knew one of those too. Yeah. The, the highlight, the high point of my relationship with this young lady was the night I came this close to asking her to skate. It never happened. But that was the high point of our relationship until three or four or five years later. Well, several years later. I was a junior at Pasadena College, now Point Loma. Uh, this young lady came as a freshman. I, I was the junior class vice president. That meant that I was in charge of the freshman class elections. This young lady was running for a freshman class office. And, and so we all got together in the auditorium the night before the election speeches, and, and uh, in walks this young lady. I should mention that she had an engagement ring on her finger. It's part of the story at, at, at this time. It's okay. By the time I was a junior in college, I had had my heart broken many times. I was used to this. This was not a big deal. I had gotten over this young lady. 
we went through the rehearsal for the speeches, and, and as it happened, she and I were kind of the last people to walk. Did I mention she had a ring? As, as, as it happened, we, we were kind of the last people to walk out of the auditorium after the rehearsal. And on the way out, she, she said to me, Gene, uh, I want to tell you something. Don't laugh. And, and a little voice in the back of my head said, oh, I bet I won't laugh. <laughs> she said, you would have no idea that this is true, but when I was in seventh grade, I had a huge crush on you. <laughs> Did I mention the ring that she... <laughs> had on her finger, a finger. I, I tell you that story because I need sympathy desperately, but I tell you the story. By the way, I did wonderfully well. <laughs> and Loretta was too good to, too pretty to talk to, too, but I had gotten over that. I had realized you actually have to talk to the pretty one. Um, but I tell that story just to say this. If, if I, as a ninth grader, had known the prettiest girl in the world had a crush on me, it would have changed everything. Life would have been so good. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even have had to ever ask her to skate. I just would have known. And it would have been so good to know that the prettiest girl in Southern California had a crush on me. It would have changed everything. And I'm thinking, if we only knew how passionately in love with you God is, if we would only hear the voice My child, my beloved, I am so pleased with you. We're afraid of the wilderness because all we hear about is the wilderness, the loneliness, the darkness, the lack of a sense of the presence of God. We, we don't want to be there. We don't want to be where it's dark. We don't want to be where we're alone, but... But we haven't heard the voice. Paul got this in Romans chapter 8. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of a slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, which is a Greek way of saying Daddy, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that spirit bearing witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, that we may be glorified with him. Have you heard his voice saying to you, you are my son, in you I am well pleased. You know, don't you? You figured this out already. 
that the father said that to the son before he had done anything worth writing about? Oh, there was that thing when he was 12 in the temple with the, you know, but come on. God doesn't wait until Jesus rises from the dead after he's followed and obeyed and done it all and laid it on the line. God doesn't wait till then to say, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. God doesn't wait till you cross the finish line to tell you he loves you. He speaks those words to Jesus while his feet are still in the starting blocks. He hasn't gone anywhere yet. And the father says to the son, you are my child. And I think about the songs that have been written, oh, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, just to think that God loves me. The wonder of it all, just to think. Higher than the mountains that I face, stronger than the power of the grave, constant through the trial and the change, one thing remains, your love never fails. And, and then the first song we all learn, the one we forget. Uh, we don't forget the words, we forget the message. Jesus loves me, this I know, sing it with me. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Listen, friend, if all you've heard Jesus say to you is you need to be better than you are, or, or even worse, if all you hear Jesus saying to you is that you need to stop being as bad as you are, if all you hear God saying to you is you ought to do more of that or, or you ought to do less of that, you will not survive the wilderness. You can't walk into the wilderness thinking God is unhappy with you. <laughs> and dear friend, I don't care what you've done or where you've been. God is not unhappy with you. You need to hear the echo that carried Jesus through his entire life. You are my beloved child. In you I'm well pleased. Well, someone might say, well, but, but wouldn't it just be better if we just stayed out of the wilderness altogether? <laughs> this is a great message, but actually my, my preferred solution would just be to not walk through the wilderness. I would really like that. Sorry, we don't get to do that. N.T. Wright has written about this experience that, that the story of Jesus goes from the Jordan where he is baptized to Jerusalem where he is raised. And if you've been to the Holy Land or if you've seen pictures, you know that there is no way to get from the Jordan to Jerusalem without walking through the wilderness. And, and, and it's not wilderness like that. Oh man, I'd like to go there for the weekend. It is barren, dry, desolate wilderness. 
whereas Barbara Brown Taylor said, all you can hear is a devil quoting scripture and all you can see is sand. She tells another story about a, a, a friend of hers who went to one of these meetings uh, led by an organization that takes young people out into the wilderness to do kind of survival training and teach them how to be self-reliant and independent. And, and her friend, in, in the midst of this meeting, her friend raised her hand and, and said, where you take these kids, is there anything out there that can eat them? Are, are there dangerous critters out there? And the director of the program said, oh, no, 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 no. We would never take your children into an environment like that. And the lady stood up and said, if there's nothing there that can eat my kids, it's not wilderness, and they don't need to go. If there's nothing out there that can harm us, it's not wilderness. Does, does God lead us into places where there are animals with sharp, pointy teeth? To quote Monty Python from, anyway. Um, does he take us to places where there are no reasons? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think what I know is that God leads us through life, and life has places that are dark and dry, and we feel alone. Did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into a place like that? Yeah. And did Jesus invite us to follow him? Yeah. I think really it is uh, our desire to avoid the wilderness or our passion to escape the wilderness that, that often keeps us from discovering the things that God wants to teach us in the wilderness. There's a song written by an alternative, secular alternative band. The title of the song is My Show Starts Now. Maybe some of you know it. Listen to these lyrics. And have I mentioned before that I deeply believe that everything in Scripture is true? But I also want to say to the church that everything that's true is not in Scripture. And we really need to listen to each other. Because even folks that don't believe what you believe have something to teach you. <laughs> So don't be shutting people off just because they go to a different church or don't go to any church or, you know. Listen to these words from this secular alternative song. Hold your breath for a better day and you'll never learn how to breathe. You're afraid of the dark, but that's where you learn to see. You're no good to the living if you're too afraid to bleed. Well, that secular band is on to something. Does God take us into the wilderness to teach us to breathe? I don't know. Does he take us into the dark so we can see better? I don't know. Does God make us bleed so we can be of some good to the people around us? I don't know. Did a loving God lead Jesus into the wilderness where animals could eat him and there wasn't anything there to save him? except the echo of the Father's voice. Yes, he did. But responding to those profound lyrics in that secular, popular song, 
what I do know is if, if we just hold our breath while we're in the desert, we'll die in the desert. In the darkest, loneliest time, we need to breathe. And what we need to breathe is the memory of the Father's love for us. I know that if we pay attention in the dark, we'll begin to see what's there in ways we could never have known if we'd never walked into the dark. Jesus said, you folks are the light of the world. Sometimes I, I, I'm, I'm really worried for the world if we're, if we're the light. But then sometimes the light shines. I've said it before in the last couple of weeks, I am so impressed in these darkish days that the darker it gets around us, the greater the potential of the impact of our lives becomes. The more your world is filled with people with despair, the more impact your life of hope can have. These are tough days, and I don't want 2020 to go on again. I, I don't want 2020.2. But man, there is so much dark and so much despair, and we have such an incredible opportunity to be light and hope in this environment in which we find ourselves. But we'll only be that if we let the voice of the Father echo in our hearts. You are my beloved child. I know that if I'm willing to risk, if I'm, to quote the line of the song, not afraid to bleed, God will find ways to help make meaning out of my pain, out of my loneliness. Well, there are these three temptations. Now, we're not going to spend much time, but, but this is what the temptations for Jesus were in the wilderness. And, and I know this is usually a whole sermon all by itself. Don't, don't panic. The first is the temptation to equate God's goodness with available material resources. We've all been tempted by this. We've all been tempted to praise God when the skies are blue and the lights are green and the kids are behaving and everybody's healthy and we talk about how close God is to us. The first temptation in the wilderness was to equate the lack of resources with the absence of God. The second temptation was to equate God's faithfulness with answered prayer. One of my favorite quotes from The Simpsons illustrates that but I, I we, there are too many school teachers here to appreciate the Simpsons we you know Satan said throw yourself off the temple and immediately you'll know we, we want to know now the final temptation is to walk away from faith altogether deciding that the way of faith doesn't work and the way of the world does and and, and and in that tragic moment, we give up. Victory over temptation is really simple. I didn't say easy. I said simple. It is learning to live with what we don't have in the moment. How many 
pastors and others have told you that the secret of contentment is to learn to live with what you have. <laughs> the secret to living in the wilderness is to learn to be content with what you don't have. To trust in the faithfulness of God and God's word without needing a sign. And ultimately, the happy certainty and the reality of the one true God who remains your light in your life and who continues to say to you, can you hear the echo? You are my daughter in whom I am well pleased. There's no way to get from your own personal Jordan, that is your conversion experience, whether you were baptized or not. There's no way to get from your own personal Jordan, your conversion, to your own personal Jerusalem, your spiritual maturity, your holy walk with God. There is no way to get from one to the other without walking through some wilderness. There's no way to escape the things that make strange noises and have sharp teeth and threaten to destroy your faith. Except to let those words echo in your heart. You are my beloved child. Paul went on to say in Romans chapter 8, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know how to pray. But the Spirit intercedes with us. God who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And we know, Paul says, that nothing in all of creation Nothing, not height, nor depth, nor life, nor death, nor anything in between will ever be able to separate you from the love of God. I, I came into the sanctuary early this morning as the, as the worship team was practicing. I, I listened to what was the most perfect song that they could have selected <laughs> for this message. And so I asked him to come back up at the end and, and lead us through it again. Yeah. I wish I could keep you all out of the wilderness, but I can't. You're either there or you've been there or you're headed there. Don't go in hearing the Lord say, you should have done this better. You should have done that less. Step into the wilderness hearing the words of this song. And hearing the Lord say to you, you are my beloved child. In you, I'm well pleased. Let's stand and let's sing this closing song together.